Okay, I want to welcome the uh, CD, DVD program uh, to services here in the Church of God, Rocky Mount. I want to talk today about the negative impact that people can have on us and that people can have on our emotions. That is the negative impact that people can have on us. And I want to begin by asking some questions. How do you let other people influence you? Are you aware on a, uh, as far as your emotional level, how you let other people influence you? Because they do influence you every single day. Evaluating the impact others have on us is a critical issue because life is about relationship. And you have people that influence you one way or the other, either in a positive fashion or a negative fashion. And you may not be aware on an emotional level, you may simply overlook it, of how people affect you on an emotional level, your emotions. You know, bad relationship with people is never a good thing. Now, I think a lot of times we think, okay, since I'm a Christian, I should get along with everyone. I'm supposed to love everyone. And what we often don't realize is that there are people that, that there are people that if you allow them into your life will emotionally destroy you. Okay. We sort of overlook that. And, but, it, but it's, you know, well, let's, let's take a look at this verse here in Proverbs 18 and verse 14. This is from the King James. I want to read it from a different translation also. But let's start out with the King James. This is Proverbs 18 and verse 14. It says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Notice that, a wounded spirit. Or you might say wounded emotions. Who can bear it? Now, the Message Bible says this, same verse, A healthy spirit conquers adversity. But what can you do when the spirit is crushed, when your spirit is crushed? There are people that you can allow into your life that emotionally will crush your spirit. It's not a good thing. You know, people... Maybe you're saying the same age as you, or in some cases, 10 years younger. And you look at them and you think, what happened to that person? You know, I'm 56. They look 106. You know, you ever think of me? And I know we can talk about health. I know we can talk about vitamins and minerals and what you eat. And we can say, well, maybe they didn't take care of themselves, you know, health-wise. And we can go through all the excuses as to why they're like that. But one of the things we overlook is that a lot of people, their spirit has been crushed. And that's the reason they're in the condition that they're in. Their spirit, their emotions, they, they, it's been crushed. In other words, they, you start out good, and we start out and maybe happy children, but something happens along the way. It's a long, drawn-out process where people, they come to a point where emotionally their spirit has been crushed. And it, they, they reveal that often in the way they look. You know, some people just give up on life, totally. Now, do you internalize other, people, other, other people's problems as your own? These are some questions. You know, do you internalize other people's problems as your own? You know, recently, uh, you know, a couple, years, a, couple, a, couple years, a couple weeks ago, Teresa mentioned about the family that, the girl that committed suicide, the woman that committed suicide. 
You know, and when I heard that, you know, I just thought, man, I'm depressed. You know, it's like, you know, when I ask the question, do you internalize other people's as your problems as your own? That's something that you can do, you know. It, it, and I, I know we're supposed to feel a certain amount of sympathy for all these issues, but sometimes you bear that on yourself. All of these, you know, this person committed suicide, but boom, it, it falls on you, and you carry that around, you know. Do you find yourself avoiding other people? Now, let me give you some personal examples here. Avoiding, example of avoiding. And it's almost something that I do to safeguard my emotions. I avoid very emotional people. You know, if, if I'm around someone who's weeping and crying, I feel uneasy and I sort of back, out, back away and back away from that. Controversial people. I avoid controversial people. You know, in school, when a fight would break out, you would see the whole hallway of people gathering to watch it. It, it was never so with me. I, I wanted to go in the opposite. I didn't want to see that. I didn't like controversy. I don't like seeing accidents on the road, you know, when people, you know, car accident. I don't want to see that stuff. So, you know, there are things that I avoid to safeguard my emotions. And I know what I need to avoid. Uh, people that talk too much, I avoid them to safeguard my emotions. People who are trying to be funny all the time. I like funny people. But if they're always trying to be funny, I sort of, okay, all right, enough is enough. You know, I avoid that person, safeguarding my emotions. I'm attracted to, guess what I'm attracted to? A quiet person. You know, our first date, we didn't say two words the whole time. But that's what I'm attracted to. And I know that about myself. In other words, emotionally, I know what I'm attracted to. And I know what disturbs my emotions. And I'm asking you to do the same. You know, know yourself. Know yourself in your interaction with, with people. All right, understanding your response to other people's emotions. I want to go through this. Some people are what they call is a H, an HSP. That stands for a highly sensitive person. You know, I think Jesus was a highly sensitive person. Uh, he knew what people were thinking. And I don't think you have to be able to read minds to know, to know what people are thinking. I think you have to be a highly sensitive person to know what people are thinking. You know, someone is not liking what I'm saying. I can sense that in a heartbeat when I'm up here speaking. Uh, you, you're picking up on their emotions because, you know, you, maybe you're a highly sensitive person. Uh, a highly sensitive person, that, that can be good, but if you absorb their emotions as your own, that can be bad. That's not good. Uh, you know, Jesus had boundaries. I think he was a highly sensitive person, but he had boundaries. What was his boundaries? Well, his boundaries were, you are from beneath, I am from above. That, that's a huge boundary right there, you know. He, he, he knew where he came from, okay. You know, Jesus, how did, how did Jesus handle knowing that people wanted to kill him. I mean, think about that. Now, we don't, we don't necessarily emotionally go to those extremes that we don't have people trying to kill us, but, but just think about that on an emotional level, knowing that there are people that want to kill me. There are people that hate me. You have to be, you know, emotionally, how do you handle that? Well, Jesus had boundaries. He had boundaries. He knew where he came from. He knew what he was dealing with, human beings. All right, let's go through some characteristics of highly sensitive people. You may be one. You may be one. Uh, number one, sensory detail. 
you have an appreciation for details that your five senses notice. Fabrics, the feel of certain things, delicate, you know, the feel. Deep colors, rich sounds, smells, and so on, you know. Someone said about the Freeman family, we smell everything, you know. It's like, if I let Greg borrow this, this controller, first thing he would do is smell it, you know. You have to watch what you hand him, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just something about, we, you know, what does it smell like? It's first thing, you know, what does it smell like? I, want, you know, I don't know why, but, but, you know, sensitive to stuff like that. <laughs> uh, second one, highly sensitive people. Emotional awareness. You are in tune to your emotional health, what affects you and what don't, and have the potential to take better care of yourself because of this awareness. This is a good awareness to have this because you know what you can stand, you know what you can't stand. Third, creativity. You're likely to be very creative yet introverted. Notice that, an introvert. Okay? Greater empathy. You are very sensitive to other people's emotions very sensitive to other people's emotions. Um, so we're talking about highly sensitive people, or HSP, but now it goes a little bit deeper than this. You need to determine if you are an emphasis. Emphasis and emphasis comes from the word empathy. Empathy. Empath. Is that how you say it? Empath. I've never heard of that. Empath. Empath, okay, is someone who is especially sensitive to other people's emotions in general, and much more so than most people. So at first we're talking about highly sensitive people, but an em empath, yeah. empath is even more so. More so. All right, let's notice some characteristics here. You sense fear, anxiety, and stress from other people. You draw these feelings into your body, resolving them as your own physical pain and symptoms. It's, it's powerful stuff here empath. You quickly feel exhausted, drained, and unhappy in the presence of crowds. Boy, does that one fit me. <laughs> you know, uh, noise, smells, and excessive talking can set off your nerves and anxiety. Fifth one, you need to be alone to recharge your energy. Wow, man, does that ever describe me? Uh, you're less likely to intellectualize what you're feeling. You don't talk about it. Your feelings can be easily hurt. All right. Number seven, you're naturally, you're naturally giving, generous, spiritual, inclined, and a good listener. All right. You tend to ensure that you've got an escape plan so that you can get away fast, such as bringing your own car to an event. I thought that was interesting. You know, all my life as a teenager, I never... I always volunteered to drive. I never wanted to ride with anyone. It just killed me. To, to, I don't think I ever said, you drive. I had to be the one, you know, with my escape route. In my work, you know, I work on scaffolding. One of the first things I do is plan my escape route. You know, what happens if this thing falls? Where am I running to? What, am I, what window am I jumping into? What roof am I, what gutter am I going to ride down as I hang off of it? You know, whatever. But, you know, I, I plan my escape routes. Uh, number nine, the intimacy of close relationships can feel like suffocation or loss of your own self. Wow. That's, that's you know, to me, this is sort of powerful. Identify when you're most susceptible to absorbing other people's emotions. You know, you need to be aware of that. When do you know when you're absorbing other people?
people's emotions, and they become your own, you know, and they, you know. Uh, for me, a lot of times, it's giving a message. I can absorb other people's emotions. I, I can sense what people are feeling, thinking, you know, agreeing or disagree. You know, it's hard for me to speak to a large, a small group. It's like very, you know, I'm sensing what each person, it's easy to speak to a large group because it's, you've got more people and you, even you can read it, but there's a lot of better feedback from a large group. It's little small groups, difficult for me to speak to these small groups, very difficult. All right, next point, realize people who bring you down. Don't bring me down. There was that song about ELO, you know, don't, don't bring me down. Okay. <laughs> uh, people who are particularly difficult uh, for emotional imp- empaths includes criticizers, victims, and controllers. So if you're around criticizers, victim, the person always playing the victim, or controllers, these people are often termed emotional vampires. I want you to think about that word emotional vampires and I want to I'm going to touch on this when I talk about emotional vampires I'm talking about the effect other people have on your emotions the effect that other people have on your emotion and often you allow this you allow them to have this effect on you and, and we have to deal with that uh, access the people around you are there people who criticize you a lot do people try to manipulate you uh, if you're around people, do they constantly talk about themselves? Do they ever ask how you're doing? You ever, you, you ever been around people that just, all they do is talk about themselves? And the truth of the matter is, they don't care how you're doing. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's just about me, 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 you know, and, and they never ask how you're doing. Why? They don't care. Uh, these people can suck the life's blood out of you. They really can, emotionally. They can Now, when you know how to spot these behaviors, you can protect yourself against them. This may include removing yourself from their presence. There are people that you have to avoid if you're going to to be emotionally healthy. For example, don't stand around listening to someone talk for two hours if all you can tolerate is 30 minutes. Why are you doing that? When I first started coming to church, Long, I mean, well, it's been a long time. It has been a long time ago. I can't really say a long time ago, you know, but it has been a long time ago. There was a, a woman in there. I mean, if she started talking you, to you, you might as well pitch your tent, build your little campfire, and sit down in your chair, because you're going to be there. And when, at that early a- age in my Christian you know, life, I thought, well, I need to be nice. I need to tolerate this as long as she wants to speak. <laughs> I, I thought that was that's my Christian duty to do that. And emotionally, I was about to blow a gasket. You know, I'd go out, I'd leave and drive down the road and scream to the top of my lungs. I thought, man, I can't take this. I can't, I can't listen to someone talk for two and a half hours. You know, just, you know, it drove me crazy. You know, you need to identify these areas in your life. What drives you nutty emotionally? What calms you? What kind of people calm you? What kind of people drive you crazy? You, you have to identify this if you're going to be emotionally healthy as a person. And uh, often we think, no, i, I got to tolerate this. i just got to tolerate this for the rest of my life. No. Now, let's, t- let's take a look at Jesus' interaction with people. Mark 6 and verse 45. We're going to look at that one. Mark 6 and verse 45. Jesus' interaction with people. Mark 6 and verse 45. <clears throat> 
And straightway, he constrained his disciples to get into the, sh- to a, a, to the ship. In other words, boys, get in the ship and leave. <laughs> and go to the other side uh, while he sent away the people. Okay, all kinds of people around him. The disciples around him. Okay, you go there, you go there. Notice verse 46. And when he had sent them away, he departed into the mountain to pray. You know, Jesus needed his time alone. You know, Jesus had his boundaries. Often we think Jesus had no boundaries. Yes, Jesus had boundaries. You know, Christ's ministry with his disciples three and a half years, I mean, I'm almost convinced that if it had been any longer, he'd have probably called down fire from heaven and, and just burn them up. You know, because, I mean, think about, think about some of the behavior here. Lord, I mean, this was when Jesus was at his greatest need, right before his crucifixion. Lord, we, we want to know which one of us is going to be the greatest. Can you wrap your minds around or, you know, grant that these two, my two sons, sit on your right hand and the other on your left? If you think about the emotional vampires Jesus had to deal with, it's the pettiness, the small-mindedness, the emotional children, that Je- the egos that Jesus had to deal with, the vanity that Christ had to deal with in his disciples. You know, you think, I, I don't know how, how he didn't keep from, you know, wiping them out, you know. It was a good thing it was only three and a half years he had to spend with them. How did Jesus keep his sanity in dealing with people? Well, one, boundaries, you know. I'm from above, you're beneath. And he knew that about people. I'm not going to turn to all these scriptures, but they reveal a lot about Christ Jesus, our Savior. You can write the references down. Mark 1 and verse 35. In the morning, rising up great, a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Key word, solitary place. Matthew 14, verse 23, And when he had sent them, when he had sent the multitudes away, notice that, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Keywords: he was there alone. Luke 6, and verse 12, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray. Key words, out into the mountains to pray. And continued all night in prayer to God. Key words, continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus had his boundaries in dealing with people. And I'm saying on an emotional level, you need to have your boundaries also. And know what works for you and what doesn't work. You know, and and I come at it from a a type of perspective, being a high-end introvert. There are other people who are extroverts. All right, your emotional boundaries are going to be different than mine. You know, there are some, I know people that love big congregations, groups of people. They, they, can't, they can't live without, you know, this constant contact. All right, that, but again, you've got to identify your own boundaries, your own emotions, what makes you work, what makes you click. I'm saying know yourself. Know yourself. Jesus had a need to get away, even from his own disciples even from the people that he served. Think about that. Even from the people that he served. All right, recognize people who bring you down. I refer to them as emotional, emotional vampires. That is, other people that have a powerful negative effect on your emotions. 
You know, I think about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. You know the story. We're not going to look at it. But think about the threats, the false accusations, the death threats, the letters that were sent back and forth, the fear tactics that came to Nehemiah. Had Nehemiah given in to his emotions, he would have stopped building the wall. Think about that. And all the, all the different emotions, that were, the, the emotional vampires that were coming his way, all the different false accusations, you know, the death threat, the letters, the fear tactics, he would have stopped if he would just listen to his emotions. And I think a lot of times that's the objective, is to stop us. Look at John 12 and verse 9. John 12 and verse 9. This is a fascinating story. And you think, okay, here Jesus again is dealing with people. All right, he's dealing with petty, small-minded, carnal-minded people acting like children. Uh, John 12 and verse 9. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. That's speaking of Jesus. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went, went away and believed on Jesus. You know, this is almost, and it's almost funny when you read this story. I mean, he, he, not only did they hate Jesus, not, not only did they want to kill Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus all over again. Think about that. I mean, how do you handle that? on an emotional level. Not only did they want to kill Jesus, they wanted to destroy any evidence of the good works he had done by killing Lazarus. They, they wanted to kill Jesus, but they wanted to wipe out any evidence of the good works. He had raised a man from the dead. They wanted to kill him all over again. How do you deal with people like that? I mean, again, can you imagine the emotional feedback Jesus was experiencing at this point. You know, it's like, wow. You know, again, how you let these things affect us. Emotional vampires, other people that have a powerful negative effect on your emotions. I think they exist to stop us. You know, Christ could have stopped. We wouldn't have a Savior if he stopped. If he called down 10,000 angels and wiped them, we wouldn't have a Savior. If he, if he just, you know, that emotional effect of other people around, if he, if he allowed them to stop him. And I'm saying the same is true of you. If you allow these things to stop you, often that's what these emotional vampires are there. I, and I don't even think they know what they're doing in many cases. Now, in the case of Nehemiah, yeah, they knew they were trying to stop him from building the wall. But in many cases, these, these people that affect us negatively, it's not intentionally. It's just that you gotta, you got to evaluate the effect they have on your emotions. And if they're causing you to just say, I quit, give up, I'm stopping. Well, then the devil wins. The devil wins in that case. And I think the satanic working on these emotional vampires is probably more than we realize. You know, these emotional vampires, it's not even about them. It's about you and the effect that you let them have over your emotions. Don't ever let them stop you. Now, I think a lot of people would say, well, you, that, you know, okay, aren't we supposed to love everybody and get along with everybody? Here's what I want you to understand about sometimes. You must love them, but there are a lot of people, in order to love them, 
you must go down to their level to love them. And it's like going underneath the water. Yeah, you can go down there, but how long can you hold your breath? Sooner or later, you've got to come up for water. Air, excuse me, not water. How long can you stay down? <laughs> you've got to come up with air. You don't need more water. <laughs> you need to come up with air. <laughs> when it comes to our emotions and the effect others can have over our emotions, where does God want us to be? I want to conclude with this. You know, okay, I'm allowing other people, you know, these emotional vampires to influence me. Where does God want us to be? All right, let's take a look at and Psalm, the, the Bible answers to Psalms 91 and verse 14. Psalms 91 and verse 14. We're, at, we're asking the question in dealing with your emotions, where does God want us to be? Psalms 91 and verse 14. This is a powerful verse. I, I love this. It says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Keywords: I will set him on high. Where does God want you to be? Set you on high. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Set you on high in your dealings with people above their ego, above their pettiness, above their childishness, above their pride, above their stubbornness, above their carnality. I'm not talking about being better than. I'm not talking about going along with your chest out and saying, I'm so much better than. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about safeguarding your emotions and realizing how these people can affect you. You've got to get to the point where you say, this is, God, this is where you want me to be. This is where you want me, want me to be, to set you on high. You know, there's a ver, uh, song. Actually, it, love lift us up where we belong. Actually, the original version of that song was Lord lift us up where we belong. I think when John uh, Cochran and I can't think of the woman that sung that with him, but they said love lift us up. But here, here's the word. Uh, I'm going I'm to I'm quote it like it was originally written. L Lord lift us up where we belong, where the eagles cry on a mountain high. Lord lift us up where we belong, far from the world we know where the clear winds blow. Powerful song. Powerful song. I want to give you an analogy of, of the eagle. You're the eagle. You're soaring, you know, you ever watch the birds? I mean, they're amazing. you're soaring along, evaluating the landscape. And you look down there, there's some vultures feeding. And you swoop down and you land right, right along beside them. And you say, What are you boys eating? You're eating that dead, rotten carcass. And you know, vultures, you ever watch it? They're like, Get out of here. And that's my piece of rotted meat. And then, you know, get out of here. No, that's my. And they're, they're fussing back and forth. You know, they're like little children, fussing back and forth. And, and, and you stay, how long are you going to tolerate that? How long are you going to let that affect you? When you should be up on high. You know, you should be up on high. If you allow it, they will kill your spirit and they will stop you. So, in conclusion here, four points. Number one. Realize where God wants you to be on a mountain high where eagles fly. Two, realize your emotional limitations. 
How long can you stay underneath the water before you have to come up and breathe? Realize your emotional limitations. Okay. Three, realize the end game. What is the end game? The effects of emotional vampires is to stop you. Okay. Four, the ability as a human being to keep the bird's eyes vision being where God wants you to be. You're able to see when up. When you're flying, when you're up on high flying, looking at, okay, there's something I got to do. There's something a little, you know, you know, you're able to see the end game better. You're, you're able to see, okay, this is going to, I know where this is going emotionally. That's going to stop me dead in my if I allow it. I say, I see, okay, I don't just fly down there too close. You know. Realize you, when, you, when you're up on high where the eagles fly, you know, you can see the end game. Okay, that's not good if I allow that to destroy me. If I emotionally allow that to destroy me, that's not good. Okay, you're able to see that. When we meet God face to face, you're not going to be able to say, Lord, I never became the person I was supposed to be because I associated with the vultures too much. I hung out, I hung out with them way too much than I should have. You're not going to be able to say that. Neither are you going to be able to say, Lord, I never became the person you intended me to be because of all the emotional vampires that I allowed to influence me and that caused me to stop doing what you wanted me to do. You're not going to be able to use those two excuses.